0: This morning at all, if you couldn't sing, just hum along with it. I believe it was Bobby Jones used to say, if you don't know the song, just just say watermelon, 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 and it all just just kind of blends in. So next Sunday morning, if you don't know the song, just start saying watermelon. Right? I especially this morning, be Dina. Steve. Thank you, Miss Dina. D- uh, Joshua chapter 1. What an awesome theme. Be still and know that He's God. No matter your obstacles in life, He can get you through them. Um, <clears throat> many of you right now in your life are facing different kinds of obstacles. You're facing health obstacles. You're facing family, job situations, something's going on in your life right now that may seem like an obstacle to you, and he can help get you through there. Uh, Just real quickly, you know, if you have a bulletin I put in there on the introduction to this particular message, this summertime series going into the promised land, and uh, we're getting ready. You know, the promised land, uh, Brother Joe alluded it to promised land living instead of... In a lot of our songs, as uh, I stated on the introduction part, we think about, oh, won't it be great when we get to the promised land, talking about heaven, Canaan land, uh, Brother Emmett, if he had a dollar for every time, he sang Beulah land, I mean, he he could do something. And uh, he sang Beulah land a bunch of times. We think about Beulah land being heaven. That was their goal, to get into the promised land, Canaan land. Uh, on Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye. You think When we think about our songs, have alluded to the fact that that's heaven. But really, it's what is God's goal for your life. Now, heaven is still heaven, but calling it in the Bible, the children did make it to the promised land. They they didn't ever claim all of it. They didn't ever possess all of it at the same time. It, uh, but the Bible says that where your feet will pass, where your feet will go, well then that's going to be your home. And as they went in there to claim God's promises, don't ask you a very very serious question. What are God's promises for you. What does the Lord want with the rest of your life? Going into the promised land is something that's, that's between you and God. What is your promised land? What is God's goal for your life? Your promised land may be to just, uh, I want to uh, serve the Lord here at this church with the best of my ability. I want to get married and raise a family and teach them and train them. So, quickly, I'm not going to read all 18 verses right off the bat. I believe it's, uh, yeah, 18 verses. But let's just launch out with verse 1 and 2. Joshua chapter 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... It came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, that means his aide or assistant, saying, Now who's speaking? God. Who's he speaking to? Joshua. What does he say? Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, rise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. And then it says, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. He's saying this. Now let me ask you this. Now, you know, I've uh my mamma uh Reese, every time she goes into uh uh purchase something big, she'll say, Well, me and my husband, we owned a tractor store. And they did, they had a Massey Ferguson dealership there in uh, uh Lufkin, Texas, and uh she'd say, and this is how we did business and you better do business just the way we did business, that's the way we took care of business. And you know and what it was was they would make promises to people, we're gonna stand behind our tractor. One of my Mamal Reese's favorite quotes are A guarantee is only as good as a person standing behind it. Okay? As <laughs> or a warranty or ever what. A guarantee is only as good as a person behind it. So if you buy a tractor or anything like that, if it's got a guarantee or a warranty or whatever, it's only as good as the person standing behind it, you know. And that was her quote. Well, guess guess who made a guarantee to Moses and now is making a guarantee to Joshua, the Lord. He said, as I said to my servant Moses, I'm saying to you. It would be kind of like if uh, uh, Jeff's sitting back there, Daniel's right here, if I say, well, Say something to Jeff and Daniel will say, I heard you say that to my dad. Now, is your word still good? And that's basically what's going on here. Joshua's saying he's getting another guarantee, if you will. He's getting it from God. And so as we look at this, one of the um, <clears throat> Christian comedian that's big with the uh, Gaither vocal band, his name is Mark Lowry, and he loves that phrase there. In the, uh, in the first verse where it says, and it came to pass. Uh, guess what? No matter what's going on in your life, and it shall come to pass. And it came to pass. So in other words, right now, if you're going through a storm in your life, guess what? It's going to come to pass. It's going to go away. All of us are going to go through one final storm. That storm is called death. All of us will go through that final storm. Now, if you have Jesus to go there with you, he can help you. Speaking of Jesus, the G- Joshua is the type of Jesus. In our text, it mentions about Joshua. And in, if you want to say the word Joshua in Hebrew, just say this, Yeshua. And you also just said the name of Jesus in Hebrew, Yeshua. They didn't have a J in the Hebrew language. They don't have it in the Greek language either. And uh, any uh, word that starts with a J in English, you pronounce it with an I. Like uh, the way you say Jesus in Greek is Isus. uh, But here in Hebrew, Yeshua, Joshua. Okay? And Joshua means Savior or salvation or salvation is of the Lord And folks, that's again, Jesus is our Savior. Joshua is saying here, oh, by the way, in looking at what Moses did, every one of you have a role to fulfill, and Moses' role was to get them to the promised land, not into the promised land, because that was Joshua's role. Again, Joshua being a type of Christ. So here we have a great servant, a great person, Many of you know people. Think about this. There was mentioned in the men's prayer breakfast this morning at 9 o'clock. We prayed and we thanked the Lord for all the blessings that God has given to Promised Land Church. Folks, every time that Promised Land follows the Lord, there's a blessing. Sometimes our church or maybe even families in our church aren't following the Lord. But when we step out on faith. God has a blessing. To follow God's man. Now let me ask you this. Now, I believe you called me here six and a half years ago, and basically there's you're saying we believe that you are God's man for us at this time. Now, whether I'm here six and a half years or twelve and a half years or whatever, folks. God always has a man to follow. You say, well, I'm not following a man, I'm supposed to follow the Lord, but God always works through somebody. Oh, by the way, in every family, that's called the dad or the husband. Okay? That's who, that's who is, uh, responsible for the physical and spiritual well-being of the home. Sometimes it falls, if the dad doesn't step up, it falls to the wife or the mom. You know, like I've used the example in my case, to follow God's man. so Moses was God's man for over, right at 40 years. Let's just say 40 years. Now Joshua comes on the scene. Because what does it say? After the death of Moses, now it's Joshua's turn. And uh, so, folks, and if you look here, and I'm not going to turn to all these scriptures. I put them in there just so you could have them. I do want to turn to Hebrews 13, verse 7 and 17. That's all in one place. It ought to be just in one place in your Bible. It is in mine. So flip all the way over to the other side of the Bible. The book of Hebrews, chapter 13. Someone in our church said the other day that's uh, scriptural reasons for a man to make coffee. Because it says Hebrews, right there. I don't know where they got that, but... Hebrews thirteen verse seven and seventeen. It says, "Remember them which have the rule over you," and that doesn't mean dictatorship. I don't believe I've I know of some uh, independent Baptists are real sticklers for this. That the, the pastor there's no business meeting. It's whatever the pastor says, and uh, that's not what. The, and they take a lot of these verses like that out of the King James and it just means the leadership role that's all it means there's other verses in like in 1 Peter chapter 5 it says uh that uh, to take the lead but not by constraint and it's but anyway verse 7 Hebrews 13 verse 7 says this remember them which have the the leadership role over you who have spoken unto you the word of god whose faith following considering the end of their and notice it says, if you have a King James Bible conversation, that means manner of life or manner of living. All right, move on down to verse 17. Obey them which have the rule over your leadership role. Submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. And any pastor must what? Must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So, just following God's man, you have a change in leadership. Back to our text in the book of Joshua. So, God always has a man. He says, consider my servant Moses. There was not a prophet like him. Consider Jesus. And then he raised up Peter and James and John and Paul uh, and he says, "Go tell the people, teach the people, lead the people." And then, oh, by the way, you say, "Well, that's Old Testament." You can go to the New Testament, and do the same thing. God always has a pastoral role. And then, whenever the preachers got so busy, waiting hand and foot on the uh, on on all the widows and every different things like that, they said, "We need some help." They got seven men. They raised them up. Said, "Look you out among you, seven men." full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, so that we may give ourselves continually to two things. What do preachers need to pay close attention to? The Word of God and prayer. And so they said, we can do that. So back here in the book of Joshua, he's God's man. He, you know, uh, one person said it this way, I like it. They said, with Moses, he represented the law, and with Joshua, he represented grace. In verse 2 and 3, notice here, it says in verse 2, I'm, it says, All this people unto the land which I do give to them. And uh, what does verse 3 say? Every place you step, I'm going to give it to you. Let me ask you this. Did they earn the promised land? Did they work for it? The Bible says, I'm going to give you cities and towns that you didn't build. I'm going to give you vineyards you didn't plant. I'm going to give you garden where you didn't plow a single cotton-picking clod of dirt. Now I know that's just, it's not exactly that way in the Bible, but you understand what I'm talking about, don't you? I'm giving you a house and a place to grow your vineyards and your gardens. And notice it says you didn't have to do anything. Matter of fact, if you go into the land and obey me and follow me in my word, you won't even have to lift a finger to fight. I'll drive them all out. Basically, God's saying you're going to have battles. You're going to have problems, but I'll take care of your battles. I'll take care of your problems. That's what he's saying. So many of us, you know... And y'all have heard it before, preachers saying, uh, church, we need to step out on faith. There, You know, and you can tell, I mean, there's this idiot out there right now trying to predict Jesus coming back. And now he's saying, oops, I missed. You know, and nowhere, I don't know when he's coming back. All we know is when we see signs, we know it's getting closer. And that's it. You know, and so you can choose somebody like that to be your pastor. Or you can choose somebody who's got half a nitwit, a common sense. But if you see a godly man, whether it be in a church or a pastor or a family, and he's doing his best to lead them, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out they've got half a brain. They are truly trying to follow the Lord. You know what I mean? And here Joshua saying, "Let's go." Matter of fact, wasn't he? He was in the minority. Him and Caleb, remember? Let's do it. No, they're too big. Let's do it. No, it's they're, they're, they look. Those are big city walls. But after getting the whammy knocked out of them for forty years in the wilderness, and they all died except for the younger generation, and folks. I love the way I heard Brother Joe Morell preach this one time. He said, and all of y'all have seen this. And there's a and I think we got a good balance here at Promised Land. How many of you and I know our singing groups, uh, you know, a, a Promised Land Quartet, and some of y'all that sing with Haley Creek and different things. If you ever go and visit another church, you can go to some church and some of y'all have some of your grandkids that go to and you may visit a church in Little Rock or somewhere. There's something wrong when you walk in a church and all you see is gray hair. That's it. That's all you see. There's also something wrong if you go into a church and all you see is 40 something and down. Well, this church is for younger people, and we're hip and we're cool. Are uh, you going to a church? Ain't gonna be none of that in here. The way it's gonna be. But then, if that attitude prevails in a church, you look around and either no hair or gray hair. See what's scriptural? Scriptural is when everybody comes together, all ages. You know what I mean? Where did all the? And uh, I like the way it's put. Matter of fact, if you wanna. Chuck Swindoll said this in his latest book. He said, he was asking a preacher this. He said, yeah, we built this church for the uh, younger generation. He said, well, where's the old ones? They left. Where'd they go? Or he's talking to a pastor uh, that just had older folks. And he said, uh, where'd all the younger folks go? They left. Where'd they go? You see, authentic church, a real church. You need to have older ones, you need to have middle ones, and you need to have. You need to hear the sound of babies running up and down the hallways, crying in church. Yeah, there's going to be some crying there. We got babies over there. Miss Julie's holding a baby. Had Mallory back there a while ago. We need babies. The Older ones, take that with a grain of salt, you know. (laughs) Y'all don't have to have any more kids. You know, leave that to the younger ones. Unless you want to be an Abraham and Sarah. But uh, you know what I mean? I think it's wrong for a church just to be all old. I think it's wrong for a church to be all young. Because you're missing out on valuable years of experience. And valuable lessons that can be learned. Not the hard way. But you know what I mean? And see, in every group, God wanted the whole people to go into the promised land. He didn't just want the younger generation going into the promised land. He didn't want the younger or the older. He wanted the whole people to go into the promised land. You know what I mean? Not just one generation. So looking at this, you know what else I see? Obedience is needed. This promise was from God. He says, I'm going to give it to you. And uh, he tells them this promise in uh, verse 6. And he, oh, by the way, if you count this up, this phrase, I'm not going to tell you what verses they're in. But verse 6 is one of four times where it says, be strong and of good courage. All in this one chapter, be strong and of good courage. So if you want to be obedient, let's pick it up in verse 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest, what, observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Well, that goes all the way down to verse 11. And verse 11, well, let me just stop there in verse 9. Again, he says, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid. If you look at this, this uh, first qualification that we need, if our church is going to succeed, what do we need to do? We need to turn not to the right hand or to the left. In verse 7, going back to it, he just says, turn not from it to the right hand. From what? From his word. And think, what. Right now, if we're going to obey the Lord, there's going to be distractions along the way. There's going to be things that come up in your life and in my life that will get our eyes off the Lord. But he says, I want you to go into the promised land. I want your family to succeed. Men, I want you to lead your families. matter of fact, uh, Lord willing, I, I may just make a tradition out of it last year. We had Father's Day service over here. I've I've been already thinking about it. We're gonna have it again over here in the Family Life Center. Uh we're gonna I've got a special theme. I'll let you know later. Uh thinking about that. We need strong families, and the only way to have strong families is to have strong families. Role models, whether it be the dad, the father, or if there's no dad or father who'll do it, the mom steps up. Sometimes it even falls to the grandparents to step up and take the leadership role. That's not God's perfect will. Sometimes that's what happens. What kind of attitude do you need, you and I need? Well, there's four things listed in verse 9. Look at verse 9. First of all, he says, and we're just looking at the verse, he says, Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed. Well, what does it mean to be strong? Be strong means stay the course. You know, all of you in this room, and if you don't ask me after church, know what's right. You know what's right, but some of you aren't strong enough to be to be. To take a stand either in your family or maybe around a certain group of friends. Who's leading you? Is it the Lord? He says, be strong and of good courage. Courage doesn't mean without fear. Did y'all know that? Courage doesn't mean without fear. Courage means you have enough guts to take a stand even if you are afraid. Say, well, this is the right thing to do. This is it. This is the way I need to be. Then what else does it say? Be not afraid. There's lots of things that can cause me to, I can be afraid. Most of the time, you know what probably the biggest fear in this room is? I know. Most people in this room fear what other people think. Now, on the surface, we won't admit it. But we sometimes will change our opinion, our attitude, depending on who we're around. Maybe we're afraid. And and it's okay to say, well, I'm afraid of hurting somebody's feelings. Or, you know, then the, the opposite extreme of that is say, I don't care whose feelings I hurt. Well, neither one of those are right. Okay. We do need to. Try to say things. The Bible says this to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. So he said, God just, Jesus said, use wisdom. Then finally it says, neither be thou dismayed. You know what dismayed means? You know what it means? Man, I am discouraged. I am discouraged, and I tell you what, I get so discouraged that I don't want to. I don't know what to do. Some some people get so discouraged, they won't even go to church anymore. Some people get discouraged and they say, well, I just quit. That's being dismayed. Oh, by the way, let me, did they get discouraged whenever they saw the Giants? <laughs> I'm not going in there. I'm not doing that. All of us can be discouraged. All of us can Well, that takes you through verse... I'll just pick it up through here. Now, it basically comes down... The last point of my message this morning is this. You know what it is? The people had a choice. The people had a choice. Okay, this is the game plan. This is what we need to do. Matter of fact, Joshua, you know what he said? Look what he said here. Okay, listen... uh, I'm going to tell the deacons. I'm going to tell the people. I'm going to tell the mayor. I'm going to tell the sheriff. He says through the officers of the people, pass through this host, command the people, prepare you victuals. In other words, get get your sack lunches ready. Okay, Uh, get all the stuff you need. Get you if you need a canteen, get that. All right. For within three days you shall pass over this Jordan and go in to possess the land. which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh spake unto Joshua, saying, Hey, do you remember what Moses said? That's what it says in verse 13. And uh, and then he said all these things. Uh, in verse 15, The Lord, until the Lord hath given your brethren rest, as he hath given you that they also possess the land which the Lord your God giveth them, then you shall return unto the land of your possession. Because it was the Reuben, the tribe of Reuben, Gad, and a half-tribe of Manasseh that settled on the east side of the River Jordan. But basically what I put in here was uh, remember God's word and we need to help each other claim God's promises. What it was it would be like this. Say the promised land... Was on the other side of the Washita River. And we are the children of Israel. And I'm Joshua and I'm trying to fire y'all up. Y'all ready? Y'all ready to go on the other side of the Washita? <laughs> and we're going to go over on the other side of Washita and claim the promised land. Y'all are saying that doesn't look too promising over there. <laughs> That's a different county. Just go with it here. Alright? Listen. But then say, uh, Say all the Kellys and say all the Collinses said, uh, well, the Lord said we could stay over here and have this as part of our inheritance. But you know what? They said, we're going to go with you, all the men did. We're going to go with you and help you fight, get the land. So let me ask you this. What is the uh, what's the example here? How many of you know churches? You're trying, you look around and you see other people struggling. Other people in the church struggling with whatever. And you know what the example here is? Help it. Even though it may not be your fight, even though it may not concern you, do you try to help your brothers and sisters? Or do you try to say, well, that's your fight. That's your problem. I'm not getting involved. Half a tribe of Manasseh, the Gadites and the Reubenites, that's those people, descendants of those tribes, they said, we'll help you. We'll help you go into that promised land and claim it. Oh, by the way, what does the very last verse of this chapter say? Well, this alludes to church discipline. They said, anybody that won't follow the word of the Lord, you say, well, that's the Old Testament. Uh, you need to read Acts chapter 5. I'm not saying we start killing people because in Acts chapter 5, God did that. And mainly, they did it not really. Disobedience was there, but they lied to the Lord. They lied to the church. And they lied to the Holy Spirit. And folks, that's not good. God takes it very seriously when you lie to Him, lie to His Holy Spirit, and uh, just throw, just tell God, go jump in a lake. And guess what? I think a lot of times we have lost some of the spiritual power that we need because we don't take sin very seriously. We don't take uh, doing wrong very seriously. We don't take God's Word seriously. And we need to take a stand. So, looking at this whole thing this morning in God's Word, I want to ask you are you ready? Are you ready to claim God's promises? Are you saying, I I need to, maybe there's somebody I need to help this morning, Brother Michael? Maybe there's somebody I need to pray for this morning. Maybe there's something you're going through in your life and and you feel like you're all alone that uh, I don't have anywhere to turn to. That's whenever you need to say, whether you come down and pray at the altar, whether you want to pray with me, whether you say, well, I I need to get my eyes back on the Lord so that I may claim God's promises for my life. Or finally, I'm going to go ahead and have Brother Norman and our musicians come on right now. But I'm going to make one last point while they're getting up here, and that is this: Joshua took a, a stand for the role that he had. Maybe there's somebody in here this morning that's not you're not fulfilling your role as a dad or a husband, a mom, or whatever. You're not. You may be the only spiritual leader somebody has. Somebody's got to step up. Joshua said, you know, he was Moses' assistant. Now he's the guy. Now you're the guy. Some of you still have your parents living. Some of you, your parents aren't living anymore. You're the one people are looking to. You are the one people are looking to. Can we fulfill the role that God has given us? Can we step up and be the leader of our tribe, so to speak, of our family, and lead them into the promised land living, as Brother Joe so aptly put it?